Hello, good afternoon and welcome to the Midday News. The news is live on Joy, 99.7 FM here in Accra. In Kumasi, we are on Love, 99.5 FM affiliates across Ghana's 16 regions. We are on Radio Justice in Tamale. We are on Ganga FM in Jirapa, A1 Radio in Bogatanga. We are live on X Spaces. We are on Facebook. We are on myjoyonline.com. The Midday News is sponsored by Petrol Soul. Your clean fuel in full quantity. Petrol Soul is always a delightful experience. Also brought to you by Dura Plus Ghana Limited, producers of quality PVC and HDB pipes and water tank. We are the only water storage tank with a level indicator and where Dura Plus goes, water always flows. This afternoon, there's a strong push for an independent audit into government's redevelopment of prime state lands across the greater Accra region. We have had one government official after another come to say that um, it is not so and that they are developing them for government purposes. But I can take you around and show you a lot of developments going on which are in private hands. They are not being done by government. We have more as the allodial owners of the prime cantonments and Laboni land say the probe will put to rest claims of land grabbing in the area. Finance Minister Ken Oferieta describes debt restructuring deal with external creditors as a major turning point. We have more as the IMF reschedules board meeting to Friday, January 19, to scrutinize the country's documents. I'm looking at the country coming back um, quicker uh, than later. Um, so it's a good time, it's historic, and we need to acknowledge that ours then as a government ministry of finance um, is to work in good faith. Also in this package, the Cyber Security Authorities raises alarm over the surge in job scams across the country. We have details as the authority says it has received 15 of such incidents through its incident a reporting point of contact with victims losing over 124,000. You want to stay for details of that in sports, Black Stars coach and GFA taking on for a poor show in the first opening match at AFCON following a humiliating defeat to Cabo Verde last night. I don't think the Black Stars of Ghana is at full strength at that tournament and has to do with the coaches not being up to the web and the people at the Ghana Football Association not swallowing and putting aside their egos. We have more as the loss of the Black Stars heightens doubt about their chances of making it to the next stage of the tournament. I think we should stop investing so much in uh, football. Coach has questions to answer. If the people they fear that first our sports go do the right thing, we will never ever succeed in this day. We'll get to hear from the coach and the captain as they accept responsibility for last night's performance. That and more here on the Midday News. I am Emefa Apau. We settle for details now and the coalition of La Association saying a bid to optimize the use of public lands, cantonments and Laboni amongst the areas earmarked for the redevelopment of public bungalows and housing units, which will now house senior government and civil service officials, as well as members of the judiciary. A statement released by the Works and Housing Ministry has fought off claims that the policy is a land grabbing move, adding that the redevelopment program dates back to 1992. But before we get details, here's a report capturing the essence of the policy. Ghana's constitution under Article 20, Clause 5 mandates that lands acquired by the government should serve public interest or their intended purpose. Additionally, Clause 6 grants previous landowners the first option to reclaim property not used as initially intended. 
Back in 1998, the government initiated an urban renewal program focusing on the redevelopment of government residential properties. The primary goal was to replace old structures with modern homes on existing plots, aiming to minimize additional infrastructure costs. Iconic areas, which were mostly previously occupied by senior government officials like Countermans, Airport, Kanda, Switchback, and Ridge were earmarked for transformation. The Accra Redevelopment Scheme, a significant undertaking, gained cabinet approval in 2000. Operating as a public-private sector partnership, this move introduced a novel bidding system to shape the selection process for applicants and developers. However, during the phase two of the project in 2003, allegations surfaced regarding procedural deviations. Since then, irrespective of the political party in power, accusations have been persistent, suggesting that prime lands were being shared with associates and favorites. Questions arise about how transparent and fair the program is, and if it truly serves the public interest. The complexity of the program raises concerns, highlighting the importance of a close examination to ensure fairness and accountability. Well, that's the news desk report there. Now, let's go through uh, the ministry statement. And Richard Kujunyaku joins me in studio. Um, so, Richard, first off, why is the minister dismissing claims of land grabbing? Well, so the statement indicates that the attention of the Ministry of Works and Housing has been drawn to a video of Honorable Kennedy, Japan, in which he alleges that there was a collusion between a former chief of staff and then the sector minister to sell the official resident of the late Justice Samuel Mafusau. The ministry strongly refutes the allegation and states that there has been no such sale of property. The facts are that the current development taking place at the official residence of the late Justice Mafusau forms part of the government redevelopment program. And then the government redevelopment program, which dates back as far back as 1992, has since its inception been widely implemented by successive government within the greater Accra region. Let's talk about the government's lands that this policy will affect. So it, it mentions cantonment and the La Dadi Kotopon area, Kanda, West Ridge and Roman Ridge. Now, meanwhile, the coalition of La associations say although the redevelopment program is a laudable policy, governments ought to carry out an independent audit to ensure that the property is not handed over to private developers. The Alodio owners of La Dadekotupon lands wants a forensic probe uh, that will put to rest the long-standing land disputes and also promote transparency of the redevelopment policy. Jeffrey Tete speaks for the group. We want government to come clear, and our call now, as Alodia owners, since we gave out the land, the people of like gave out the land to government for, for I mean, housing purposes for government officials. We want to get an audit. We want government to come up with an audit of all government, I mean, facilities. Talking about uh, housing facilities, we want an audit so that we will know how many government has uh, redeveloped, how much has been given to private hands, and if they say it is not in private hands, then together with government, we can go around and check it. And I'm happy the media is doing this. We all go around, tell you the story, you get to know, you, you let the whole world know what is happening so that government will come clear. What problem do you think the audit will deal with? Um, the audit will basically tell the whole nation that what government said they are doing is not actually what they are doing. Because we felt that for such a laudable idea, government should come clean and tell us that, okay, maybe government needs money to do other things. And so we are redeveloping parts. We are making sure that just a little space can accommodate a lot of people so that we engage private people to come and do, uh, come and take up those spaces. Then we can make some money into government coffers for work. But they are not telling us that. You, you were saying that you are a lawyer owners of the land. Um, 
do you want the land also engagements to to be made on it uh, because i recall you did uh, uh, carried out a demonstration the other time calling on the lands ministry to return some of the lands that your forefathers had given out to government would you want that to be included in the audit of course we have made several calls to government and when i talk about government we're not talking about just this current government but to previous governments successive governments we made several calls to them i recall during the era of professor mills he released some parts uh, a bit of the cantonment lands to the traditional authorities which they have used utilized very well very very well so our expectation is that as alodia owners if you even want to engage private developers i mean the 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 first right of refusal should come to us so that our chiefs will now look at it and say okay we need some we can also engage some developers or our own people and we see how best we can help ourselves to that but government is not doing that now they are only giving out everything and when Away from lands, Finance Minister Ken Oferreta has described the deal with external bilateral creditors as a major turning point for the economy. Mr. Oferreta's excitement comes after the country reached terms for restructuring the $5.4 billion debt last Friday. Speaking on a yet-to-be-aired edition of PM Express Business Edition, Mr. Oferreta says this deal will help fast-track process of reducing Ghana's debt to sustainable levels. Expecting that we were all negotiating in good faith, um, looking at the country coming back um, quicker uh, than later. Um, so it's a good time, it's historic, and we need to acknowledge that ours then, uh, as a government ministry of finance, um, is to work in good faith with these um, investors. You tried to explain to me that, yes, the negotiations hasn't ended, even though there's been some preliminary deal breach with yeah. It means that you could still continue engaging them and maybe pushing further? With regards to the OCC? The OCC yes. Oh, definitely. You know, because the memorandum understanding has to be signed. Uh, and that then will encapsulate, you know, um, issues that we need to think a bit more deeply about um, to make sure that it is successful. But we, we were at every turn, uh, we have been victorious and the country has moved forward and that will continue. That's Finance Minister Ken Oferreta in a yet-to-be-aired um, edition of PM Express uh, Business Edition with George Riafi this Thursday. Meanwhile, the international institution has rescheduled its board meeting on Ghana to Friday, January 19. But what has resulted in the fund taking this decision despite the country reaching a deal with its external creditors? Joy Business Editor George Riafi has the details. The executive board of the IMF should have met this Thursday, January 18, 2024. However, Joy Business is learning that some of the executive board members have made a case for the meeting to be pushed a day forward. This is to give them more time to review Ghana's documents submitted by the IMF staff. Therefore, the change in date has nothing to do with Ghana not meeting the conditions for the board to meet on its program or concerns about the deal reached with its creditors. We also understand that the executive board members need at least three days to review the country's documents. And since Monday is a holiday in USA, the pushback was necessary. This is because the holiday would mean that the mandatory three days would be cut by a day. Sources close to the fund have told job business that everything is in place for the executive board to meet and carry out Ghana's first review under the fund program this Friday. This should mean that by next Wednesday, about $600 million should hit Bank of Ghana's account. That is, if the country is able to pass 
was the first review by the IMF on how it has fared under the fund program. Now this afternoon, the cybersecurity authority is raising an alarm over the surge in job scams across the country. The authority reports has received at least 15 of such incidents through the cybersecurity incident reporting point of contact with victims losing over 124,000. Richard Kudunyako joins me in studio uh, with more on the statement issued by the cybersecurity authority. Let's talk about the modus operandi um, that the cybersecurity authority has identified. Well, so MFA, according to the authorities, scammers pose as recruiters and advertise remote or part-time high-paying job roles that require performing digital tasks such as liking social media posts and giving referrals to friends. Uh, interested individuals are directed to interact with the recruiters on WhatsApp or Telegram via a link embedded in the unsolicited message. The recruiters engage victims to sign up on their portal for available positions and to manage their assigned tasks and supposed earnings. At the onset, victims are paid relatively low sums, usually less than 200 Ghana cities for complete the assigned tax, the victims are subsequently requested to make cash deposit to be assigned more lucrative tax and to release all the earnings they have made from completing the previous task. Once substantial deposits are made, the victims are eventually logged out of their accounts and prevented from contacting the scammers without receiving the promised light payout. And has the authority suggested any recommendations? So they want uh, people to be cautious of unsolicited messages offering job opportunities. They want people to be skeptical of high-paying jobs that require minimal work and if it seems too good to be true it is likely to be a scam thank you very much richard now data available to the unicef show that a lot more teenagers particularly girls are increasingly contracting hiv and aids infections in western central africa as compared to other parts of the world speaking to the global aids monitoring and un aids 2022 report unicef chief of health alexander boone said the situation could be attributed to many factors including several challenges confronting the sub-region he spoke to join news mfa atiamwa eli in an interview in Togo. There's more in the following report. Sharing details of the data with members of the African Media Network for the Promotion of Health and Environment, Remapson, at a workshop in Lume. UNICEF's Chief of Health in Africa, Alexander Boone, said despite advances in recent years, particularly in reducing HIV transmission from mother to child, attention and support for children and adolescents living with HIV remains insufficient. Alexander believes this is among the myriad of other factors aggravating the prevalence of cases, particularly among adolescent girls in Africa. He said girls are at a greater risk of contracting new infections compared to boys. In some countries where the incidence and the prevalence of HIV is on the rise, we have noticed that, unfortunately, the majority of uh, newly infected people were among adolescents and particularly adolescent girls. Uh, the risk of adolescent girls to contract HIV is pretty much six times higher than the equivalent of age of the male adolescent. And that is probably related to many things, either social, uh, related to poverty perhaps, related to uh, the circumstances where these adolescents uh, live. 
Also among the regional challenges compounding the threat to adolescents' health include limited engagement of community health workers in HIV and AIDS service delivery, as well as low availability of adolescents and youth-friendly health services in countries recording higher figures. We know that girls in general are much more sensitive to sexual transmitted infection, including HIV, than boys. Uh, the intergenerational uh, sex is also one of the contributing factors. When a young adolescent or a young or uh, an adolescent girl gets into uh, sexual intercourse with older men, there is a higher risk of transmission as well. In a clarion call to action, UNICEF enjoins all and sundry to accelerate the pace towards an AIDS-free generation in West and Southern Africa. That's MFA Atiamwa Eli's report there. Now, some residents of Samraboy in the Western region are shocked to learn the devastating health effects of illegal mining after the first public community viewing of the Joy News documentary Poison for Gold, produced by Erastus Asaridonko. In a town surrounded by degraded forests and a heavily polluted Tano River, residents are demanding more than more from chiefs and community leaders in enforcing laws and leading advocacy to stop illegal mining. The Poison for Gold community tour is part of the USAGM media project on nature crimes in Ghana, supported by the U.S. Department of State Bureau of Oceans and International Environment and Scientific Affairs, and also the Office of Conservation and Water. And this is driven by the multimedia group through its diverse media platforms. Love news report from the first stop at Samraboy over the weekend. Samraboy, a town whose local economy is controlled by timber and farming, mainly cocoa, is threatened by illegal mining. The devastation caused to its forest reserves, like the Tanonimri Reserve, featured prominently in Joy News' recent documentaries. In Arasu Sasaradonko's Poison for Gold documentary, the health effects of the contaminants in the polluted Tano River featured prominently. In face samples that were taken from River Tano, at the Dantano area there, I thought I was just doing something simple. But when I realized the levels of mercury in the face samples, I became so alarmed. I looked at the levels in muscle, the face muscles, the head, the uh, gills, the eye, and the, the bones. The highest concentration was in the gills. The bones were also there. So since then, I have stopped eating the head of the fish as well as the bones. I only eat the muscles, and that is it. The multimedia VOA USA GM Poison for Good Community Tour which started in Samaboy, is aimed at reaching remote communities affected by nature crimes with the tree version of the documentary. The over 100 residents who watched the Poison for Good documentary produced by Rasu Sasaradonko were shocked at the findings. It is painful to learn it is possible that after a nine-month pregnancy journey, contamination from Galamse can cause my child to be deformed. It's sad. To give birth to a child with one leg and a lot of complications, I am sad. While some of the participants blame the cheese for the Galamse menace, others blame a lack of political will in fighting the kanker. Government should take bigger blame for the Galamse menace. We've all seen the damage caused by Akonta mining in this town. Who is Akonta mining? Is he not from the NPP government? If he doesn't have the power, can he do what he has done in this town? 
There was a debate between participants and some chiefs present on their role in fighting the menace. We, the opinion leaders, recently decided to fight mining in the Tanonumri forest, but the paramount chief of Enchi wanted the Chinese to mine. What can I say as a sub-chief? It's not on my land. We all know the Chinese miners who come here slaughter chicken for rituals and poor libation. Some of us have thought the Chinese are customs, so the power we had on our land is gone. Some of our leaders tell us to vacate our land if we cannot live with Galamse. If I don't give out my land, another war, if I Time for a quick break here on the Midday News. Live on Joy, 99.7 FM here in Accra. In Kumasi on Love, 99.5 FM. Um, it's proudly brought to you by Petrosol, your clean fuel in full quantity. Petrosol is always a delightful experience. Also brought to you by Duroplus Ghana Limited, producers of quality PVC and HDP pipes and water tank. They've been a strong push for an independent audit into government's redevelopment of prime state lands across the greater Accra region. We've also been hearing from Finance Minister Ken Ufoyeta describing the debt restructuring deal with external creditors as a major turning point. We return from the break with sports and Black Stars coach and GFA taking on for a poor show in the first opening match at AFCON following that humiliating defeat to Capo Verde last night. I don't think the Black Stars of Ghana is at full strength at that tournament and has to do with the coaches not being up to the web and the people at the Ghana Football Association not swallowing and putting aside their egos. TV is stepping up your entertainment from the 15th of January at no extra cost to you. If you are on GoTV Value, upgrade to GoTV Plus to watch GoTV Max. Already on GoTV Plus? Upgrade to GoTV Max to enjoy GoTV Super. And if you are on GoTV Max, upgrade to GoTV Super to enjoy the best of the best on GoTV Super Plus. Don't wait. Step up your entertainment today. It's on us. GoTV Love it. TCNC Supply. When budgets are tight and money difficult to come by, you want to be sure you get the best value for your money. These are not times to be spending money fixing expensive engine problems because of cheap fuel and lubricants. Drive to a petrol source station today and buy your quality fuel and lubricants and rest assured of fuel that lasts long and lubricants that prevent expensive engine problems. Hear the sound. <laughs> petrol source. Clean fuel in full quantity. Thanks for staying with us here on the Midday News. Time to take you to La Côte d'Ivoire for the Afghan. bet you're all disappointed but there's hope well black stars coach chris uting and the ghana football association are this afternoon and the unfiltered criticism mixed with anger from a section of Ghanaians. well this follows the team's inability to triumph over the blue sharks in their opening match in the ongoing africa cup of nations at la cote d'ivoire well we can hear from analysts on this but first uh, my colleague kenneth jc chronicles the contributory factors behind this worrying trend may have been witnessed in the first round of matches in the ongoing Africa Cup of Nations. But another issue of concern is the stadium attendance. 
Apart from the opening game, which featured the host nation Ivory Coast, that drew 35,000 spectators, the following matches have so far averaged 5,000 spectators. The 2019 AFCON, which was hosted by Egypt, however, saw average attendance of matches involving the host nation top 70,000, with other matches averaging 5,000 spectators. The Africa Cup of Nations has faced a significant challenge with consistently low stadium attendance, marking the last four editions of the prestigious football tournament. This decline in live audience participation has sparked concerns among organizers, stakeholders and football enthusiasts alike. Several factors contribute to this trend, including economic constraints in host nations, logistical hurdles impacting travel to match venues, among others. The combination of these elements has resulted in fewer fans opting to attend matches in person, choosing instead to follow the action through various social and traditional media channels. The decline in stadium attendance poses a broader question about the tournament's overall appeal and that's um, Kenneth JC there chronicling the contributory factors behind this worrying trend, which would include um, the low attendance to uh, the stadium me last night. Now, there's been uh, this has been your reaction after last night's defeat to Cape Verde. The excitement at the Seralio viewing center was soon before the match. For some of them, they were full of pessimism. After many years of heartbreak from the Black Stars, they have simply lost all hope. Like, as you know, Black Stars, like, they don't have anything good to offer the country. Honestly, me personally, I'm just expecting a loss. They will lose. Oh, before I go, wait, 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 before I go. Nah. Are you Ghanaian? I'm a Ghanaian, fully Ghanaian. Ghana, no, I know the part. We are Ghanaian. Me a Ghanaian, I'll be Ghanaian. Huh? Wow. Yvette drew first blood in the 17th minute. The crowd was raptured into a state of excitement when Ghana equalized in the 56th minute through a goal by Alexander Jiku. <laughs> Kibbert scored again in the 92nd minute, making it 2-1 against Ghana. The game ended and the blame game started. So, so disappointed. It's very disgracing. Playing against Kibbert, your first match, and losing this horrible lose is so bad. I wasn't disappointed at all. I wasn't disappointed because I was expecting this. I knew this was how we were going to play. Because one, Black Stars, we don't have a formidable team. They just intrigue, they say, they just pick up the players from anywhere they, they find them play football and they bring them in to come and play. No, no, they are not going to make any impact. They are not going to make it, any impact. And we are not going to make it out of the group. Who is the technical advisor of this Black Star That's my question. Who is the technical advisor of this team? Oh, they actually did well, but then I actually expected more from them. But well, some views there in your interaction with my colleague, Maxwell Agbubba. Some of you called into the Super Morning Show today. Very passionate, I must say. Yesterday's game was so easy for us to win with all the quality we had. We had players sitting on the bench, Osman Bukhari, Nyama, who were natural wingers who could have just gone on to put in courses and would have won this game easily. I think we should stop investing so much in the the top of football, you know, we have to go to the local teams, to the house of football, whenever they rise, that's when the black star will rise. 
my difficulty is with why the court decided to weaken us when we were um, directly with the momentum, okay? Because I felt at 1-1, one, one, whether the coach was projecting our, our, our opponent's interest above us, I do not know. Coach has questions to answer. If the people they said that first our scores don't do the right thing, we will never, ever succeed in this entry. Well, Coach Chris Hutton and the team say they are as disappointed as you are. Um, we are hugely, hugely disappointed with the, the result. And I know this group of players also know how our public, uh, the Ghanaian people, see this game, see this tournament, and, um, and our expectations going into this one. And it's one that uh, says it's, it's a defeat that we're hugely disappointed. Well, that's uh, Coach Chris Huting, and we are looking forward to our next game against Egypt and then later Mozambique. And, of course, this time we are hoping that mathematics will not be our way out of this. Now, social media is abuzz with reactions after one Patrick Amenuvo aborted his... Um, he's going through the, with another Guinness World Record. Patrick embarked on a standathon to break the Guinness World Record for the longest standing by an individual. He was supposed to do seven days max... Jackie without the Max is in the studio. <laughs> Jackie, what happened? Well, MFA, we, we, we all were sharing this guy app, then all of a sudden he released a statement. So <laughs> social media is experiencing a complete frenzy after Patrick Amenuvo posted his intention to stop the attempt. So we have different groups of people sharing opinion. Now, one group is of the view that um, Patrick was lying because he did not show any proof of Guinness World Record accepting his application. Someone says, or oh, it was just for hype. And someone is also saying that that um, he was coming there for food. You know, everyone was going for fireless um, cookathon. So they were coming there. So they are just telling him to go and come back stronger. But another group sees this to be a gender war because they are saying that he's disappointed the men. Mm -hmm. The women took charge and they were able to do it. So for the men, they feel very disappointed. So it's like sort of a gender war. But people are of the view that um, Guinness World Record probably didn't give him the approval, so it was just maybe a publicity stamp. But we are waiting to hear from him. Okay. Well, uh, meanwhile, there's another one. At least we have an approval uh, for Benedict uh, Mawena. What's she going to do? Is there a man or a woman? It's uh, a do? man. Okay. So he is embarking on the longest reading aloud marathon by an individual, which starts in March.